welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Oh, yes! Thank you, big boys in the sky. We are back. It's the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. I am Chip you are Barton Simmons, Barton. Uh, we got a chance to catch up for a little bit, but man, it's it's good to hear your voice. It's great to be talking ball. Uh, I've had numerous friends, numerous Twitter followers. Everyone's asking, you know, where is the content at? I've been hitting refresh on the feed. I've been wondering if my feed is broken. We're back. We're back, man. I mean, this is it. Like the season, the 2018 season starts right now. It's a little bit of that fresh off vacation energy right there. Oh, yeah. I like it. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> that's getting us started, right? Yes, uh, I agree. I've been I've been uh, been a little bit disappointed to have to kind of tell guys, look, sorry, the content's coming, it's coming, but here it is. Content is here, and we uh, we're kind of we're, we're ready to dive in now. I mean, no more sort of dipping in and out during the off season. I think the season is 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 now begun. Right? Yeah, we, we are. We've got uh, media days starting. We are recording here on Monday the 9th. The SEC media days starts Monday the 16th. Um, I'll be at ACC media days. Are you going to Big Ten in Chicago? I haven't booked it yet, but that's the that's the game plan. So I think I'm going to get a little a little taste of... Uh taste of uh the midwest so, so yeah we're uh we're gonna we're gonna get uh first of all you know that you you know you're gonna get some win totals from us uh we'll be given our win totals picks we'll do some media day preview some media day wrap up um the the calendar is filling up already and you know all all the normal cast of characters that you love will be will be falling through here as we start to count down the time uh to our first locks you know to our first big takeaways uh it's it's an exciting time, and, and the last time we were with you, we were talking about uh, the recruiting scene. We had Greg Biggins on. We we're talking about the quarterbacks, and Barton, you just came back from. You know, I've I have been on vacation. Uh, you've been grinding though. I mean, like you are you deep in the databases? Like, are you reworking and coming out of the opening in Frisco, Texas? You got to see some of the best players in the country. Uh, do you come out of that, and are you making changes to the rankings almost instantly? Yeah, man. Heavy rankings update coming. Uh, we are recording this on a Monday. I would expect by the end of this week, or I know by the end of this week, there's going to be a, a major rankings upheaval for 2019, the 24-7 sports. So yes, these are the last the last days of my recruiting um, emphasis here as we get into the season. I'll shift focus uh, really after the next, this week, maybe next week, um, but I'll really kind of dial into college um even though i've already sort of started digging into the preseason stuff but but yeah it, we got up kind of over overhaul our rankings and then and then it's college football season for me at 24 7 sports barton provided some some video content him and steve wiltfong breaking it down i uh, saw some of your write-ups and the one name that i was excited uh, to read about uh, somebody who really stood out to you was wide receiver kyle ford and i think that he's an interesting character because we've been going at the 2019 class through a lot of our analysis, and I haven't yet really. Uh, and, and I know that we're going to spend some time with uh, talking about Spencer Rattler here in a little bit. 
I, I hadn't really felt like there was a star. Uh, tell me what you saw. What do we know about Kyle Ford? And, and do you think that he is going to have – like, what's the last wide receiver that we saw that really dominated and led a recruiting class in terms of that kind of star power? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't – I mean, Kyle Ford dominated the opening, and I'm still not even sure if he's the best receiver in this class. I think he's going to be right up there in the top three or four. Um but it was really that dominating performance. So I'm not ready to call him sort of the face of this class yet. He was definitely the face of the event. He was the He's alpha, little, the alpha dog among everybody he, else. He was, he was. Um, but he, I mean, that's sort of his, he's kind of that Juju Smith-Schuster sort of guy, a, a thicker kid, looks like a safety almost playing receiver, plays that way, Southern California dude, and has all the the offers you would expect on that front. I mean, USC seems to be the common the common perception of where he'll end up early in this process, or not even that early in the process, but at the current state in the process. Um, but he was he was awesome. I think to to put his performance in context, like probably collectively, as we put our heads together to think about the best wide receiver showings we've had at the opening, the the most common um, name was Cal, uh, Calvin Ridley. Uh, who who dominated when he was uh, in, at the opening and really was probably the reason Blake Barnett was miscast as the Elite <laughs> Eleven MVP because uh, he kind of carried him to that to that championship his year. So you know Christian Kirk was really good. Justin Justin Shorter, who's a freshman at Penn State this year, really good. So there, I think like being that dominant at this event is is of notes like they, those guys typically are pretty good at the next level too so Kyle Ford is sort of the, the name coming out of here to to see if he really breaks through as that as that guy on the next level as well and like I said if he ends up at USC which is which is likely I'd say um, JT Daniels coming in is going to be a true freshman starter this year is that's at least my belief um, I think we're I, there Nah, I'm I'm I like I I don't know if uh I don't know if we're going to be in a point where even if JT Daniels is not the announced starter, if you're Clay Helton, you you got to at least give him every single opportunity just because on talent alone, he's the best guy in that room. Like that's, when, I was, yeah, when, when I was out there, there was some USC guys who cover the USC beat out there. And, and just when talking to them about it, they were like, oh, yeah, it's not even like they're not even hiding it anymore. Right. It's, it's They're not even trying to put on a front as if this is a – a quarterback battle. I mean, the true freshman is is going to be the starter this year. And, and so, uh, again, when you think about that, when you think about potentially Kyle Ford coming in a year behind him, Amon Ross St. Brown, another true freshman that was awesome last year at this the opening event. I mean, USC's pass game seems to be in good shape long term. And again, Kyle Ford's not committed to USC yet, uh, so let's not put the cart before the horse there. But if he does, I mean, that, that's just another addition to what's been a, a pretty pretty stout um, pass game production here over the last couple of years. What did you think about the quarterbacks? Uh, I like your, your reference to Blake Barnett there. This, this is a team event, and uh, a lot of the – and correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of these – uh, teams are organized, so you know there's a, a lot of experience that's being had. I, I saw in some of your notes and some of your write-ups on 24/7 Sports, uh, you've you've got a lot of the Oklahoma guys were together. Um, let's see, Bo Nix was teamed up with a, a wide receiver who's committed to Auburn. 
Um, you know, where did you come out of this event with any changed or stark opinions based on what you had coming in when it comes to the quarterbacks in that 2019 class? Bad year for quarterback has continued to be a bad year for quarterback as nothing has changed there. But I do think that we found at this event, or I mean, partially using this event, I guess. I mean, I don't want to discount what they've, I mean, these guys have done it on tape as well, but there's a four man upper class at quarterback. It's Spencer Rattler, who's committed to Oklahoma. It's Bo Nix, who's committed to Auburn. Sam Howell, who's committed to Florida State. And Ryan Holinsky, to me, is the last one who's committed to South Carolina. Um, and those guys really separated as the best quarterbacks at this event. Um, you know, I'd, I'd say Spencer Rattler, I th- and, and all of them could kind of tell a story about, to me, a little bit about sort of trajectory of the program. You know, I, I think Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma, he, to me right now, is the, is the clear best guy in this class. He's the only guy right now that's shown us that I think could potentially be a, like a five-star type guy eventually, though I'm not ready to go there yet. He is that Baker, he's that Lincoln Riley quarterback. He's the Baker Mayfield type. Super confident, cocky almost, brash, but 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 engaging and magnetic with his teammates. Um, smaller, six one, like 180 pounds tops, so th- slighter of frame, but athletic, mobile. Um, just the type of, again, the type of athlete that just sort of works in that Lincoln Riley offense. He, his team won the, the tournament and he was throwing to this loaded crop of, of Oklahoma targets that he's going to be throwing to at the next level. Um, w- just a really talented group of pass catchers. Was this so, the group you, you, was that the team that you predicted way before the event was going to end I, up winning? I, I finally predicted one right. <laughs> okay, I didn't I know. It. I, I didn't know it. that was an annual thing. So yes, uh. <laughs> yes. it's. Uh, I finally learned my lesson. You find the best quarterback that also has at least a couple of go-to targets. And Spencer Rattler was the best quarterback, and he had some dominant pass catchers that he could p- pick to go to. And he's getting those guys to the next level. That's why I love Oklahoma right now. I love the sort of future trajectory of Oklahoma because. A, their 2018 class is going to have, I think, multiple true freshmen playing on defense. Um, And their 2019 class, which is coming in behind them, is going to be absolutely loaded on offense. I I just think Lincoln Riley's got it humming right now. And so I think that they're they're heading in the right direction there at OU. Uh, At, you know, Bo Nix is who he met, Spencer Rattler met in the championship game. A less like he's he's sort of understated in his skill set i compared him to jake Fromm in my in my write-up maybe a little more athletic than Fromm, but uh, Fromm in the sense of like arm talent isn't like overwhelming he's just but he's just got a good instinct for the position it's all ball's always in the right place um not overly big athletic but not not freakishly athletic, just a kid that just is always making the right decision, the right throw. Why, why do you sound like a grandma talking about a grandson right now in the South? <laughs> <laughs> He's just a good boy. You know, I mean, of course, that's perfect for the SEC, right? But I mean, that was like Jake, the Jake from uh, the way he competes. Uh, I remember Greg Biggins said the same thing. Just the idea that there wasn't um, a whole lot that until he just got out there and started competing and having to make throws under pressure instead of against air that you started to be like, okay, this, this guy understands the position. And if that's, 
if if the if Bo Nix is is the next step up for for Gus Malzahn, well then that's uh that that seems to be more in line with Jarrett Stidham than with the idea that uh, the the Gus Malzahn Auburn quarterback has to be this ultimate dual threat type player. Yeah, and and well, and on top of that, I mean, I think the nice thing is even though he doesn't sort of watching him, he doesn't scream this freak athlete he he had over a thousand yards rushing i think last year like he he is a dual threat guy at the high school level and but here's my prediction for auburn and bo nix is uh, i assume jared stidham will play well enough this year to, to to declare for the nfl draft um i guess that maybe that shouldn't be an assumption maybe maybe he's still got i mean but it feels like he's been there forever redshirt junior or whatever it is and it feels like this will be his last year so assuming that that's the case I think Bo Nix walks in and has the best passing ability, throwing ability on the Auburn roster. Now, whether that's enough to win the job or whether Gus Malzahn decides that he wants to go with uh, uh, Malik Willis or Joey Gatewood as a more of a dual threat, sort of Nick Marshall style system, I don't know. But I, I could see Bo Nix being another true freshman that plays at Auburn even even a year out. I could I could see that that sort of... Um, moving in that direction so we got um, nicks rattler um the florida state guy is yes so, so sam house sam Florida state guy yeah. yeah and he is he early in the week was awesome came back down to earth a little bit towards the end but still was was i think had the the top completion percentage of anybody at the event um his film sam howell check it out on huddle it's maybe the the most fun film to watch at the quarterback position in this class but he's like this stocky six foot one, two hundred fifteen pound kid <laughs> who's athletic and mobile, and yet like you throw him in a like he's probably runs a five one forty. So it's just sort of, it's this. He, I think the takeaway is he's a baseball guy. He's just a functional athlete who just is a playmaker and has some gunslinger in him. And so I think Willie Taggart will probably do well with a guy like that. Um, but hey, you know, like that he's walking into a situation like I don't know DeAndre Francois is probably gone. Uh, as a transfer, uh, then he walks in, and James Blackman's heading into his third year next year. So he's not a true freshman starter, but he he's a kid that um, could see a you know a clear succession plan um, in, in Tallahassee. Uh, so it, it's he, he's a good one. I feel like uh, Sam Howell, depending on how Willie Taggart feels about the Greek community, could be thanking his brothers of Pi Kappa Alpha at the end of a game after leading Florida State to a win. <laughs> he, he like yeah, like he's got a little bit of like looks like he's a he's a frat you know intramural quarterback right uh, yeah. like already, which worries you a little bit in some ways. But at the same time, like if I mean he is, I think he's just a he's just a player. He's just a playmaker. He's just a sort of a throw him out there and let him play ball and he'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, so I like him. And then uh, Ryan Holinsky, South yeah. Carolina. Cause that's, yeah. and that gets really interesting too, because we've got Holinsky's personal story, which we've touched on a little bit uh, here with his, his brother. And I, I like ever since you pointed out the, the draw for South Carolina might be the, you know, let's, let's get away. Let's, let's create some separation. And so while there is all this tragedy going on for him right now, it seems like he is uh, really positioning himself not only to have sort of a, a personal revival, but man, what does that mean for South Carolina as a program, especially if you can take it from Jake Bentley uh, to another top quarterback? That's like nothing that we've come to expect from a Will Muschamp program. It's it's huge. And, and for, for those that, that aren't aware, yeah, Tyler Holinsky, 
Washington State quarterback committed suicide. That's his brother. And and I think that that's certainly matured him and, and opened his eyes and, and, and sort of sobered him. And and I think – but he was already and is already a, a very mature guy with like great leadership qualities and intangibles. And uh, I think he understands the quarterback position. He's the th- youngest of three quarterback brothers and plans ahead all the way over to South Carolina and, and assuming they hang on to him. And again, he hey, he camped at USC for an offer and got it. And – I, I, he's shown no indication he's planning on flipping, but I would just kind of keep an eye on that. Um, but I think you're right. Like that's to me one of the big storylines probably of this of this event is is all right. So it looks like uh, Ryan Helinski is the is the real deal. And if you think about how good Will Muschamp's defenses have always been, and particularly at Florida, and how quarterback was just this problem that could never get solved, well. Now, potentially, this is a clear secession plan for Jake Bentley. And maybe Ryan Holinsky comes in and, and plays behind Bentley for Bentley's senior year and then takes over redshirt freshman or sophomore year, which would be perfect if he is who I think he is, which is a really good quarterback. And if Will Muschamp is who I think we know he is, which is a really good defensive coach, all of a sudden, man, like it looks really exciting for South Carolina. Like really exciting. The way they're recruiting right now, it's a top 10 or top 15 class right now. Um, you know, this could be this could be a special, I mean, like a critical piece of Will Muschamp in South Carolina's sort of upcoming oh, Like big picture. Legacy. Yeah, the leg- like legacy is not a, that is not taking a step too far in my opinion. That's, the, to, to circle this moment to circle like this player and these recruiting classes um, you know this 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 could go we've already had I would say last year was an exceeding expectations year slightly but exceeding expectations they hit the over. yeah <laughs> they hit the over that is by a technicality on this podcast exceeding the expectations in, in the eyes of Las Vegas but uh, I don't I don't think that's crazy it's uh it it added to like so I feel like I was hearing about uh, Bo Nix, um, and I feel like we had Auburn. We had a whole lot of uh, Georgia players that were mentioned. Um, where where does Alabama stand right now among the elite players at events like these? Because the last year being the first year. The, they didn't, you know, their their streak of number one classes was broken. It was a it was a big deal, but still, we were talking about uh, one of the best recruiting classes in the country. You know what what are you seeing or what are you hearing when you're at these events as it pertains to sort of the idea that there is some uh, I don't want to use the word mortality, but like there there is no way that the Alabama success can go on forever. There is an end date. There is an expiration date. No one seems to know what it quite is, but I feel like one place we might be able to see it is going to be on the recruiting trail. You know, where what's the state of Alabama recruiting, especially when it comes to these top talents? Alabama's the number one class in the country right now, according to 24 7 sports. (laughs) (laughs) But but they have 20 commits and and I like it's a is a weird Right now, it's looking like a weird. So, so first of all, I think Alabama has they learned, or Nick Saban learned from last cycle, where they took things slowly. They're deliberate. 
they wanted to make sure they got all the right guys at the right time, and and they weren't gonna, because I think they felt like maybe they weren't gonna have an, as much wiggle room to drop guys as as the early signing date approached and that kind of thing. So at this point last year, they were probably I don't know 25th. I don't know. It was it was a they were much lower and and a much slower pace. Well, this year they're first and they have 20 commitments, which is among the most in the country. And so Alabama is is clearly taking a different approach. Like they're trying to get out of sort of play with a lead this year. But I got to be honest with you, like it was a weird event to go to an event. Like I usually the more I see Alabama commits the better they are. And because they're so good, they're such good evaluators and Nick Saban is such a I mean, he is an active evaluator and, and watches so much film. And so they usually get guys right, and they're usually ahead of, on guys. And so usually the, as we go to events, the more we see Alabama commits, they just sort of continue to look better. This was an event – like as, as there were a bunch of Alabama guys, and none of them really had uh, outstanding showings. Mm. And that's just not common. And whether that means that it was just a – you know whether they, maybe that means I have a bad eye, or maybe that means that they had bad weeks, or maybe it means nothing. Um, but it'll be something to watch. Like I'm curious whether this group starts to look better um, as we get into the season. Uh, but from this event, it just there wasn't that flash guy from Alabama and uh, or, or on Alabama's commit list. And so I will be very interested to see because I look, I think Georgia. We've talked about. I mean, they're recruiting at a, at a really high level. Oklahoma, like Michigan, Ohio State. I mean, there's just suddenly. I think this is probably the most teams or programs that I can remember that have legitimate number one recruiting class aspirations in the sense that they could legitimately get it. Right. Like every, usually, it's just like, all right, it's it's Alabama. Or it's Ohio State or Florida State, and that's about it. You know, like whatever. There's a, USC. There's a, USC might creep USC, up. USC. USC yeah. is usually in there, but but usually that's it's it's almost like all right. I mean, it's probably gonna be Alabama who's gonna be second. I think this this cycle, there's just a. I, I feel like there are a lot more teams that really could could land. You know, like Penn State's a great example. They only have 11 commitments, but man, every guy they're getting is a big time kid. Um, and so, you know, I just I'll be interested to see how the rest of this this cycle tracks, whether you know whether some schools start start sort of creeping up on Alabama's heels. I wanted to ask about Alabama. There's another one I wanted to ask about because Team Overdrive, uh, all the players that you had, the primary players that you had mentioned, Spencer Rattler. Uh, I, I don't know all the pronunciations of the last name, but Henderson, Weiss, yeah, Weiss, yeah, Weiss. Yep. Bridges, and Stogner. Uh, all five of those guys are from the state of Texas. And I understand the state of Texas is huge. It's one of the biggest talent hotbeds in the world. Oklahoma has always gone into Texas. But where, where's Texas at right now? Like, where's Texas A&M at? I felt like I was pulling up a lot of 24-7 sports profiles in preparation for today's show, seeing guys uh, who are from Texas and not seeing a lot of Texas or Texas A&M. Yeah, though there is. Texas A&M is currently third in the country. In okay. the recruiting rankings, uh, I think maybe second. Uh, and the fact, yeah, they're second. So they're they're doing work. And they have 21 commits, and they've got the second and third best player in the state. They've got the eighth best player in the state, 14th, 17th. So like, Texas A&M is in there. Uh, Texas currently has two of the top 20, which is probably not ideal. I mean, that's that's not 
uh, you'd like to see better than that. Um, but I, I think Texas has gotten to be such a unique wilderness because the number one player in the state, Garrett Wilson, is heading to Ohio State. Um, you know, Oklahoma, as you mentioned, is is digging their heels in and and and, and getting some getting some good work done. Um, Notre Dame's got a top fifteen guy. LSU has got a top twenty guy who's who's trending up. Illinois has got the number nine player in the state. Uh, so, I, I you know I think that there's still a lot to be determined in Texas, but like it's no longer just let's see who wins between Texas and OU, or yeah. let's see who wins between Texas and A and M. Suddenly, you know, Alabama gets in and gets their fair share here and there. Ohio State has been a huge thorn in the side of the in-state programs, um, and and you know, so I think this is this is sort of OU's year to really make a big splash in that in that state. Um, but there's a long way to go, some ranking shuffling to do, uh, but it's it is very interesting to see guys so much more willing to get out of the state lately in you know in, in, in texas uh one more thing on the sooners you've you've just talked about how how bullish you are is there do you think that there is a distance just in terms of a, a three-year trajectory moving forward let's say counting this year where it it is going to take multiple recruiting classes for someone else in the big 12 to catch the sooners i think so i mean it depends on how, like I'd, i got we got to make our big 12 win total pot at some point and I haven't made my final decision on what Texas is going to be but like I I'm curious like Texas should should feel like theoretically Texas should be right there with them based on the way they've recruited and the talent that should be on campus so I'm not ready to say that Texas is like a world away but Oklahoma sure does have things clicking right now both on and off the field in terms of recruiting so but I, I don't know. Like this is going to be the year where t- Texas needs to take that step forward. And if if they're if they are ready to contend with Oklahoma long term, then they need to be a they need to be ten and two this year, nine and three, and they need to beat USC at home and whatever. You know, this is the, this is the year to start making those. You know, the battleship should be turned by now. Like you should be heading in the opposite direction at this point. So I, I think this year will tell the story, but. There's no one I feel better about in the Big 12 right now than Oklahoma, and I'm not sure I'm, that's I'm not that that's going out on a limb, but they're they're that thing's not slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, I'm I I have uh, reached a point where uh, I we did we did an activity at CBSSports.com the you know best team uh, for each program, and I I had the ACC, I didn't have the Big 12, but the the art of just sort of really digging into the history books, taking different snapshots, looking at uh, you know, 10, 20 year periods. And it's just Oklahoma's uh, advantage over the rest of that conference for, you know, not just the, the last couple years of the college football playoff era, but like since 2010, since, you know, it's, it has been since 2008, like it's, it has been, you know, since Colt McCoy that this has been uh, the Sooners conference. And it, and it's to see, to see and to hear that Lincoln Riley, after making that transition has, has not only um, been able to keep things going, but in a way, arguably maybe even elevated as he sort of puts his imprint on that program. I, I am, I think he has, it's, it's so rare that a elite blue bloods hall of fame coach leaves with the program clicking at the high, at the level that it was clicking at o- Oklahoma in such sort of 
I don't know if his prime is the right word, but certainly not far off his prime for Bob Stoops. And and so I think this is like this rare opportunity for us to see it, like what can happen if you're willing to hand the keys to you know like the Florida State situation to a Jimbo Fisher while things are still good. Right. Because this is cuz cuz Lincoln Riley's taken over and and he as young as he was or is it's it is they're better like they're better and I said I wrote it when it would happen like I think this is going to be better for Oklahoma and uh, some Oklahoma fans sort of gave me hell about it but like truly like he's just turned up recruiting just enough like turned it up just a, a tick and and when you're recruiting at a top ten level and you recruit up a tick and you're recruiting at a top five level that's that's a big like that's a jump and and I think that his his offensive mind is is also sort of uh, re-energizing and, and and making it a sexy program and so really I mean I I, I think that the Oklahoma is is a perennial playoff team right now I think there will be um all right so from Oklahoma to the defensive side of the ball that feels like a jump um who are the defensive players that really stood out at this event well I mean Kayvon Thibodeau was one he was a kid that was uh you know that that came into the event as the number one player in the country according to twenty four seven Sports Composite, and yet he was a guy who, like, we were internally talking about. Um, you know, is this guy? Do we have him a little overrated? Um, and I feel like we've whether he's a number one player or not, he's 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 not a, he's not some future bust. <laughs> you know, I mean, this guy's the real deal. Um, and so he was he was legit. Um, you know, I felt like defensively. Ole Miss is getting a stud at linebacker and a guy named Daiwan Black. Um, so Ole Miss is not dead yet. Uh, that that they've they've got a an elite player coming, a, de- a potential five star type of guy. Maybe most interestingly, like in terms of the common fan, George Karloftis, a kid out of Indiana, West Lafayette, Indiana, is about to get a five star rating by twenty four seven Sports, and he's committed to Purdue. And mm. currently, there's no reason to think he won't end up at Purdue. Uh, Purdue's got a top 25 class right now. The things there, there's some staying power there. Talk about a program that's that's you know trending in the right direction. Um, I think that Purdue is. I mean, there, there's a lot to be excited about. Um, and then I'll give you one more. Nolan Smith. He's the Von Miller. He's the Khalil Mack. He's whatever you want. He's that edge, three, four stand-up outside linebacker, edge rusher, uh, who's committed to Georgia, and he may be the best player in the country. So he he's he he was awesome over the course of the week. What's the uh, so when the when do the defensive players get to shine? Is it in the seven on seven or is it in the like where? Well, the OLDL do they do one on ones and pads, which mm-hmm. is rare in a camp setting. So that's good. And then and then the seven on seven. Um, obviously that's a little bit easier for the wide receivers to, to flash, right. but, but if, but the guys that do flash, the, the guys that do get hit their hands on a lot of footballs, the guys that really show kind of gr- really good instincts. And, and in a lot of cases, it's the linebackers, you know, you finally get to see a linebacker who can sort of understand the coverages behind them and can make plays and get their hands on a lot of footballs. Like those guys can be really impactful in this setting. And that, that's, that's always, um, you know, insightful to be able to figure that out. So 
So there's a lot of opportunity in the seven on seven. Um, and even just seeing how those guys move and how athletic they are and everything, it, it, you can learn a lot from it. Our colleague Gary Parrish is uh, on his way to what he believes will likely be the last peach jam of its kind as the uh, as the AAU circuit is really impacted by uh, the way that college basketball is trying to reform at the NCAA level. I sent this to you and I don't it might be a quick answer, but if if there was anything to elaborate on it or if you had any discussions uh, at the event, then I, I would be curious to know what's do you think that there will be any impact as some of the the camps on the basketball side are, are reworked and the way that uh, coaches and scouts get their eyes on talent. I mean, this is basketball and football, just totally different beasts in so many ways in, in terms of making the jump from high school to college. But what do, do you, does any of that reach over into the football recruiting world? I don't know. There's There's been a lot of like seven on seven haters out there in the social media space or wherever you want to say and, and like just sort of hating on the like the, the culture, I guess. Uh, I don't know if that's coded or not, but it's just sort of the culture is what they say. And and like every year, the college game gets closer and closer to being like it's never going to be football, but it's seven on seven is always going to be a different animal. But seven on seven is as important as it's ever been because of the way the game is played right now. Like I said, when you can find out who the linebackers are that can cover, that's more like you're not you're not defending the the wishbone anymore like right. you you got to be able to drop into coverage and find receivers and man up and, and body up and, and get in throwing lanes and convert those interceptions and so seven on sevens is relevant as it has ever been and and it's also like so i'm i'm a in some ways a seven on seven apologist or defender because even for all the flaws it has like it's important and so I don't. I don't foresee it going away. I don't foresee. I foresee it getting bigger. I think quarterback play is improving because of it. I think, and and as a guy that spent a lot of his summers on the AAU basketball circuit with with a bunch of dudes that I would have otherwise never met or known, um, I think it's. I think it's great for these kids to be involved in it too, and just be around different people and and travel and go to tournaments and, you know, it's the 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 plus greatly outweighs the downside to seven on seven. So you'll never hear me dogging it. I, I think that the, uh, to hear, uh, you and a lot of your colleagues talk about sort of the, the psychology or the mental side of this is awesome. I, th- I think that there's so much that can be gleaned from, uh, seeing how a player reacts to no longer being the man to, to no longer being, uh, the absolute best player on your team, because that is going to be, if only for an instant, uh, a, 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 like glimpse of sort of the de recruiting that is probably going to be coming uh, the second that you show up on campus. I, I think that that stuff is all valuable. And I, I also think that what they are looking to reform in terms of the basketball recruiting, they're just, there hasn't been, um, there hasn't been as much evidence of, uh, why, you know, the, the widespread, widespread allegations and, you know, federal crimes for that matter, uh, that are tied to football. And a lot of that's just because you got more players. Like it's just, there's, there's a lot more players and they're going to be in college for three years, or they're at least going to be out of high school for three years. Like it's just not, if, if you were working for an apparel company and you decided that you wanted to invest a large sum of money in a kid who was 17 years old based on what they could make as pros, 
I think that is a risky investment and a poor no one doubt. at that. And so I think it just <laughs> like I just I've got a long list of uh, highly touted seventeen year olds that didn't pan out to make the kind of money where you're going to pay that loan back. So uh, I just I don't think that it breeds the same kind of temptations. How about that? Yeah, it's it's so yeah. I mean that's the that's what the danger of the AU stuff is like. It's it's very there's only what. I mean, NFL draft, there's seven rounds, and you never know who's going to hit and who's not. I mean, in, in NBA, once you get out of the lottery, it's all it's all a crapshoot. But those lottery guys, we've known who they were since they were seventh graders, right? And it's usually it's usually consistent, like those guys pan out. So it's just there's much less mystery and and margin for error in in college. And so I think in the NFL, it's a, it's a totally different animal. Um, any, any other big takeaways or any, any other storylines that you start to see developing as you're, uh, sort of starting to switch the gears from uh, total recruiting mode into, uh, into looking ahead to the season? Uh, no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just ready to, I'm ready to get refocused. I know there's a couple of, of storylines that have popped lately, uh, in the college, in the college world, uh, Jake Fromm, Demetrius Robertson, um, you know, there's there's some stuff going on right now. Um, hey, but, what, but, when 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 is uh, when is Lake Life like? Is Lake Life undefeated in terms of getting <laughs> at least one college football star every every single summer? Well, the funny thing, I mean, all these Georgia, all these country Georgia kids, they need to, you know, uh, this we're only two years removed from Sony Michelle. On an ATV. Breaking his hand in an ATV accident. <laughs> uh, I mean, dang, guys. You know, like, I, I, hey, I, I, maybe that's why they're so good is they're just they're, – they're out there just living on the edge. Didn't uh, Georgia have, like, a kicker who got a buoy, a boating under the influence, maybe four or five years ago too? I mean, probably. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember, but, yeah, that sounds reasonable. <laughs> uh, so Jake Fromm in uh, – so apparently he was not the one skiing, but the ski rope popped – and it flew up and hit him in the hand. It's not going to be uh, – it's a non-throwing hand injury, and he's not expected to uh, miss any significant time. He will be throwing when workouts resume, if they have not already resumed. Uh, what is the scariest skiing or boating-related moment that you've been in? <laughs> uh, oh, gosh. I don't know, man. I've, I've, spent, I've spent a decent amount of time on the lake, but I can't remember ever being like – um, in danger for for any life or limb. Uh, do you, have you got a couple? I I've had I had a friend who was really into taking the tubes through the inlet, like through the really rough water that like you wouldn't even take the boat through the inlet if you had uh, your parents on the boat, for example, because it was too yeah. rough and it was just a the the challenge in the game was like. Uh, me driving the boat with my friends on the two tubes. Like I, I am trying to inflict pain and there, and just those moments where you just, you pop up and you realize that the inner tube that you're hanging on to is like 25 feet above, uh, above the water. And that if you, <laughs> if you hold on for the whole drop down, like this whiplash is going to hurt for a long time. So you just let go and right. you're just airborne for about three seconds. Yeah, no, I've, yes, I've been on some rough tube tube trips. I, I will say this though, man, Jake Fromm. Like, I, I respect Jake Fromm. Like just another bit of evidence on like his elite quarterback instincts. Like protects himself with the non throwing hands. 
<laughs> like give that one up and and the right hand's still good to go. Uh, you know, fortunately, um, because of that, I think that George is in, in nothing, nothing to worry about there. Because if you know, if he really does like legitimately break his throwing hand, the thing about Georgia right now is they get they throw Justin Fields out there. Great, everyone's excited about Justin Fields, and I am too. But then what? What if Justin Fields gets hurt? Hey, is like, ju- if, is- if you go into the season with 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 one of these guys hurt, then you are one injury away from walk-ons on a national title aspiring team. So that's that's scary. Is Justin Fields ready for South Carolina in mid-September? Probably not, but I'm not going to put it past him because he's even if he's not ready to like see that the speed of that defense and go through the progressions, like I think he's athletic enough to survive and move the chains. You know what I mean? Like that. That's what I like about him is like even if he's just the things are just moving too fast for him. He's six three, two twenty five, and a freak athlete. And like he's, I mean, he's kind of Cam Newton athletically, and so. You can you can screw up a lot and still survive out there in, in, with that kind of ability. Uh, you mentioned Demetrius Robinson, the Savannah, Georgia native, was highly recruited. Notre Dame brought an equipment truck down. Um, I I you probably know more of these stories than I do, but I, Demetrius Robinson during his recruitment was a, a name and he was a dude. And uh, his commitment to Cal was big for Sonny Dykes, um, but he has decided that he is going to transfer. And uh, he has Georgia, Alabama, Texas, and West Virginia. He thinks very highly of himself, as does Chiman in Media, which has gone full LeBron Clutch Sports style. With a decision, with with (laughs) setting up a decision uh, type situation, which will be this coming uh, Saturday, uh, July fourteenth, in in collaboration with Chiming In Media. What what do we make of Demetrius Robinson, uh, the player? And like, does it does it seem like sometimes when you've got this situation that uh, am I am I being judgmental or cranky that with all the hubbub? I'm I'm looking at it with like a little bit side eye. I anytime this stuff starts popping off, I I yes, I, like I'm I'm with you. I mean, look, I, I will will continue to harp on my like Malik Zaire issues. Uh, like he had like five different commitment video edits at like five different periods. Like he he announced that Florida thing like literally. I think he announced it four four or five times, and. I think at a, with a quarterback, that's a problem to me. Like that's a legitimate something to be concerned about. Like chill, man. Like go throw, like get down there and start organizing some seven on sevens. Not not coordinating your next commitment shoot. Uh, with a wide receiver, I'm a little okay bit more expected. Yeah, like I can get, yeah. I'll give you some leeway there. I mean, he was the number one receiver in the country right. coming out of high school. He had like seven or seven hundred. 800 yards receiving as a true freshman at Cal. So kind of lived up to it. Sophomore year, he was injured, missed most of the season. So, uh, so I think this kid, I, you know, I, I think he's the real deal. And, you know, if he goes somewhere like Georgia, who's just been pining for a, a legitimate big time outside threat at receiver, that could be a game changer. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I think this is a, a meaningful commitment, especially especially if he goes to Georgia. I think that's the one that if he goes to Alabama, I don't know. They got a lot of guys that I think are pretty good at receiver. Texas, 
I feel like that's a position that's been uh, recruited well there, and I think offensively they can just sort of manufacture yards. Georgia, because they're a pro-style system, they're always going to run the ball effectively. But when they get in those big games, they do need a, a big player too out of the, from the outside, and I think he could roll in there and and provide that. So I'll be. I think it's a. Um, I think it's an interesting one. West Virginia is the other one who. Shoot, he put up huge numbers in West Virginia. Is he immediately uh, eligible? I think he's. As, as I understand it, I think they'll appeal it. I would. That seems far fetched right. that he'll be immediately eligible. Um, so I would expect him to sit out this year. But I, I could be. I may not be up to date on that. He may be. You know, he may be trying to appeal it and has a shot. Like with the appeal being that last year because he didn't play is the sit out year. Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe. Maybe he's got a, an excuse. Of, 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 you know some sort of family reason he's got to be closer to home. I I, I've, I feel unprepared that I don't know the, the backstory of this, but I, I would be surprised. Um, the, I can't, I've been on, on the long plane rides. I uh, started going back through eastbound and down, um, which on rewatch is still pretty funny. And that's what these kind of announcements have made me think of. Like Kenny Powers trying to put right. out his own press right. release about his return to the majors. Like oh, Demetrius yes. Robinson out here like, that's right, y'all. All y'all are going to be looking forward to watching <laughs> me score these touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. They need to add some like homemade fireworks in there. And like, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, um, those are the best. Yeah. One, one, uh, one last uh, little bit of news um, as we uh, as, as we wrap up here with the with the return. Uh, Najee Harris made some headlines, told uh, reporters that it was a very difficult freshman year for him. You know, we remember seeing him on the field in the second half and overtime at the end of the game, being part of that you know that group of freshmen that helped lead Alabama to the national championship, but not being able to see the field early apparently had uh, some impact on him. He considered transferring out. He was. He hopes to see. He said, "I'll put it this way: I expect to see the be on the field a lot more." Uh, Barton, Damian Harris is back. Josh Jacobs is back. Do you think we will see more Najee Harris, uh, significantly more Najee Harris in 2018? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, he's he is. Uh, you know, I think he's the real deal. We saw him a little bit in the championship game. Uh, he's, he just steps right in for Bo Scarborough. Um, and you know, I think he is, uh, he, he's, he's, yeah, this is time. It's, it's Najee Harris time. And so I, I'm not surprised. It's like, yeah, who isn't thinking about transferring when they're not playing as a true freshman? Even if you are playing, some of these guys are homesick and thinking about transferring. He's, he's a long way away. Um, so I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll be very interested to see. You know, I think I still think Damian Harris is the best back on that team, honestly. But I think Najee Harris could could bring a different element, and it's going to be fun to watch. I my my biggest storyline in the backfield is uh, like there were moments during last season where I thought Damian Harris might be one of the best running backs in the entire country, um, and I don't know exactly what happened down the stretch of the season. I didn't finish. I need to go back and, you know, we were, we were mentioning that we're both digging in. I'm, I'm, I'm already on my pack 12 and my ACC. I'm going to finish up this afternoon, sort of making my picks for the rest of the win totals. I don't, 
I, I don't know. Um, I'd, I'd like to see more of what Damian Harris was showing. Albeit that it was in the part of the schedule that Alabama was just blowing through everyone. Uh, but I, I still think that he has the potential to be the best back in, uh, in that room. I mean, he's got the most, he, he's probably got the most ability. Yeah. And so depending on how they decide to use him and, and how much workload he gets, um, you know, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, it's going to be, I mean, I think that's the best backfield in the country. Ohio state's got a, he's got an argument too, but I think Alabama has got the best backfield out, out there. So sick. Uh, he is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson. I have, if you, for some weird reason are not a subscriber, go and hit that subscribe button. Then what you can do is you can go and give us five stars because that would be awesome and because we only approve of five-star caliber and we try and bring you five-star podcasts. Barton, thank you very much. All right, man.